It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten It's glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be on your own front door Ho, 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 ho! <laughs> Merry oh, Christmas. <laughs> well, come on, it's getting close. I'm getting excited now. Mate, just keep your eyes on the road. Keep the bus straight. <laughs> and your hands upon the wheel. Remember to indicate. <laughs> I got this. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. As you can tell by the big fellow who's wearing red and white today, <laughs> uh, we're settling in. Where uh, we put the bus steered towards Christmas and the new year. Mm. Getting a bit excited, a bit of a Christmas feel here in the Stu Stu studio. <laughs> How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, man. It's a big red and white bus this week. It is a big red and white with a, a tad of tinsels and some baubles. They're gold. Yeah, and a bit of green where I missed from last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to mention something that. Uh, mm. Last week's show, I thought was fantastic. When I was doing the show notes and reflecting on the show, I had pages in my journal of a Navy SEAL. And folks, if you haven't been back to listen to that show, now is the time to go back, have a listen, because it will get you fired up for Christmas and particularly the new year if you really want to get some in 2017. But one of the things that Andrew Paul talked about when I asked him the question, the most important thing to say to a child He said, I love you and I'm proud of you. And I just want to say, mate, coming at the back of Rocktober and into November, the production values have been awesome. The show has never sounded better. Proud of you, mate. Thank you. It's a little bit unpredictable, but then again, so am I. (laughs) No, it is. The the production values stand up against anything anywhere in the world. And folks, uh, if you're enjoying what we do, just share it. Just send mm, the link to do. somebody else because there is no doubt there is gold in them, their microphones here at the Mojo Radio Show. Share it around. Share the love for Chrissy. Speaking of which, that's what I like about you. Like. Hey. The Mojo Radio Show. Now, a shout out to Pack Paul, who is looking for some Buddha brew, and it's on our way, Pack Paul. This, this is lovely. This is the one podcast that I listen to every episode, and I'm now recommending to friends and colleagues through the shows, I've actually taken a couple of gold ideas and now looking forward to actually using them in my life and changing the way I behave. Key standout lessons, 100% responsibly for all aspects of your life, and it's better to give than to receive for personal motivation and life. This podcast has come at the right time in my life, just the time when I'm really starting to think health and wellness and need a little mojo boost. GB and Robbo, keep it up, guys. P.S. I don't normally drink coffee. However, I've just ordered my MCT and would love trying your Buddha brew. Back ball, it's on its way. Absolutely. Send us an email whether you'd like ground or you'd like beans, and we will pack it up ready for Christmas. That's a beautiful uh, review on iTunes. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. It gets our mojo working, keeps the big red bus fueled. Exactly. Exactly. We run on mojo on this show. Forget unleaded. It's Santa here. A very Merry Christmas and the happiest New Year. Ho, ho, ho. The Mojo Radio Show. no doubt that each day, whether it be at work or at play, we are in some way having to get on our feet and do a presentation. We are either going into meetings, we're working with social groups, whether it be in a school PNC, whether you're running a small business, working in a big corporation, or you're doing a presentation at the Rotary Club. We're having to get on our feet. We need to create presence, deliver a message, sell something, influence others. 
Now, Dr. Louise Marla is an international speaker, is a mentor, executive coach, and an expert on influence, presentation, how we use our voices. And it's all about being at our best when we are in front of others. So with great delight, Dr. Louise Marla, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you very much. Now, just to put everybody in the picture who may not be familiar with your work, on a day-to-day basis... What sort of work would you be doing and who would you be doing it for or with? Yes. Well, look, I work on presence and influence. I work with people who are in leadership in their various fields and I work with them so that they can have more presence and influence. But not only that, there's another side to the coin. I, I do it so that they feel better about doing it, about being who they are and bringing themselves to different engagements. Uh, I'm actually quite fascinated by your background. You had a background in opera with the Vienna State Opera. And I have to say, Robbo, our first opera singer on the show. Uh, I think probably I could safely say the first opera singer that's ever been involved in an interview I've done ever. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty thin on the ground. Yeah, especially for us coming from a rock and roll background. Yeah, which is cool. Uh, Where's the intersection between the arts and business, Louise, with your background in the arts, the work you're now doing in the business fraternity, where do you think that intersection is? Well, I think it goes back to the original definition of opera. You know, life's an opera. Um, It's about a drama set to music and our, our music is our voice. So, you know, I don't, I don't see the difference. I see them as the same. And I that there were, they're all producing little operas at all times. You know, we're, we're creating some sort of energy dynamic in our communication. So, you know, a lot of the skills of opera fit in. Um, that was my background, but, I, you know, it's not, just, it's not just opera that informs the work now. You know, I've added a lot of other things on top of that. It's a nice one to think about it, though, isn't it, that life is a drama set to music. So mm. it really is about the emotions and our voice. And that's kind of the stuff that you are mostly working with corporates on now, isn't it? Is that that basically creating presence on your feet in meetings, yeah. dealing with conflict? That that's really your work, isn't it? Yep, it is. You know, uh, the thing is, I bring it down to one you know point, which is actually you know, what is voice? What is energy? We measure it in airflow, and I guess these days I've sort of developed to a point where. I can see airflow between people. Other people can't see it, but I can I can see it, I can feel it, I can hear it. And we stop the airflow all the time. You know, when I guess in the opera background, one can spend hours and hours talking about the amount of air one puts into a certain note or phrase. And, you know, yeah. You know, what what air do you put into it? And you begin to become very attuned to that. And then you come into the real life and you find uh, people standing in front of others, uh, speaking like this, you know, with no awareness of how they're altering their air. And, And it's bizarre. And you think, what strategy are you using here, team? You know, That's just weird. Um, And then, of course, what's chronic today with people, um, I was just listening to the radio and I heard somebody doing it, and they're talking about a very important topic to them. And yet what they're doing is a technique called vocal fry, F-R-Y, where they're actually withdrawing the air. And it sounds like this. This is vocal fry. People talk in vocal fry. And the psychological message of vocal fry is that I've withdrawn my commitment to what I'm saying. So when one's talking about something like, you know, what they're passionate about, and in this case it was about global warming, it is completely ridiculous to use a technique of vocal fry and withdraw one's air and withdraw oneself emotionally from the topic. It it doesn't make sense. Do we almost have to hear ourselves from someone else's perspective to work out where we sit before we work out what to do, Louise? I mean, I hear this, it makes sense to me, but there will be people who will be doing it and not aware of it. How how do we approach this? Like, what do we do? Well, the whole topic is an undiscussable. Now, it's something that people don't discuss. And I think one of the failings that we've made in trying to raise awareness is through videoing people or recording them and then playing it back. And what we do is, you know, we all know, we've all got those videos in the cupboard where we've been videoed at some stage. And then, you know, every time you go, I must watch that video. No, no, no. You know, we go into 
panic at the thought of watching ourselves. And then we watch the video and we don't see what we should be seeing. And instead we tend to go, yep, I thought I was useless and now I know I'm useless. You know, it, it doesn't give us the right feedback. What we actually need is feedback in the moment. Like the minute one starts to do vocal fry, it's like, stop, stop. Um, you know, it's in the moment because we're dealing with our bodies. Uh, we we can't, we don't have an experience outside our body watching. So we have to build the technique of being inside our bodies and having the feedback. So it needs in the moment feedback from somebody who knows what they're doing. I'm interested. I go back to something that I was taught by one of my very first program directors in radio. Yeah. Because like anybody, my first air shift on radio, I was speaking at a million miles an hour due to nerves and God knows right. what else. Mm. And yep. I remember the first bit of advice I got from a program director was to listen to myself in my headphones. Right. And right. if I sounded slow to myself, uh-huh. if, I, if I thought I sounded slow, I was probably talking at a pretty good pace. Yeah. Is that a good place to start with all this, to actually start listening to what we're doing? You know what? Whatever works for you, if it works and if that worked, then great, grab it. But this is the problem a lot of people then say, okay, that's the technique, that's what you have to do. But that technique may not work for everybody. So it's a very common thing for people to speak quickly when they're nervous. The issue there is, do you know, the research on speaking quickly is that um, there's no such thing as speaking too quickly. Actually, when you speak really quickly, it raises people's, heightens people's awareness of your intellect. So when you're getting the feedback that you're speaking too quickly, actually the issue is there are no um, gaps between the sentences, which means that you're not breathing correctly, which means that the diaphragm's jammed, and actually what you should be doing is what you could be doing is going to the diaphragm and actually making sure that that gets released and then that will solve the problem so often people say oh I've had the feedback I speak too fast and so they try to slow down and the unconscious mind just goes oh this is ridiculous and you know the strategy lasts about four and a half milliseconds Um, and then we go back to speaking really quickly because the diaphragm's jet so what you need to do is have techniques of kicking the diaphragm free so that you can get um, your breath working again and then that conquers the speed issue. Gold, Robert. Gold. That's gold. Gold. Where was she 20 years ago? (laughs) Gold in them, their vocal cords, bang. (laughs) Louise, you've spoken about the mind, body and voice, how they are intrinsically linked when being influential. Can you elaborate on what that means? Because I think... Everyone listening wants to be influential in some way, whether it be at a PNC meeting, a a community meeting, at work, in a meeting, in a creative session. How does the mind, body, how how does it like come together? You know, I I don't think that's a hugely original concept. It's very common in acting or even in health to realise that the body does what the mind tells it to do. So, you know, body and mind are inextricably linked. What people don't realise is that having shaped the body in some way through the mind, the voice responds. And the most obvious one is that when we become nervous in our mind, our body jams in some way and often we get a tight voice that becomes nervous. But, you know, some people aren't nervous, especially people in leadership positions. They're not nervous anymore, but there are many in other ways that we shape the body through the voice, uh, through the mind, and then it comes out in the voice. So, um, you know, uh, the, the one that I love is defensiveness, which people so often do when they stand in front of groups they become, or any sort of boardroom, we become defensive. Um, there are parts of the body that jam, most commonly the back of the neck. Um, and when we jam the back of the neck, there is a vocal outcome you get a vocal outcome. The vocal outcome is a very tight, tight sound. Not only that, you can't breathe. So you get short phrases. So that's the way that the, um, you know, when, as I was saying, we withdraw ourselves psychologically and we start to withdraw the air and then the voice gets a vocal fry. Um, We get depressed, um, then uh, something sticks out in the throat, the false vocal folds, and we start to get that sort of sound. It's the voice of depression. Um, And, you know, so our, our mind is reflecting in our voice. We each have like a thermometer of emotional state 
carried around with us all, at all time. We're just so unaware of it. So, you know, how do we use that for presence? We just raise our patterns to awareness. What are our patterns in the everyday? And how are they magnified under stress? Um, and, you know, it's it's a mindfulness. It's about knowing yourself. People often say, I just want to bring myself to the engagement. And I think, you wouldn't know yourself if you fell over yourself in the dark. You know, I say, to you, what, what happens when you get stressed? And people go, I get nervous. Yes, and, you know, which part of your body jams? And they don't realise. In all those examples Louise just gave us, Gary, how many politicians did you recognise? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a couple stood out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, we've got we've got um, Pauline Hanson jams, and I don't like it. You know, get the short process. Um, we get, um, you know, Tony Abbott breaks the air at inappropriate times in the sentence, um, you know, they're all there. They're all there. And they're not political comments. You know, they're just comments about people who are in the public eye and things that they do very much undermine them. Uh, that's really just silly, stupid to do. Something I'm interested in just quickly is while we're on that point is I, I get frustrated when I see people of authority speak improperly. Like, uh, I, I don't know how many journalists and politicians I hear say something with a K on the end yeah. or a pin number, yeah. you know, it, pin in itself is a pin. You don't need to say number. Right, right. It, it's interesting it's, it, that in regards with what you're saying, we're also letting go of the English language a lot more recently than we have over the last 30 or 40 years as well. Yes, look, you know, our communication skills are dying in the arse, to put it politely. Um, and I think worse than all of that is gesturing. You know, gestures are absolutely essential to communicate messages. And not only that, to help free the body. You know, arm movement guides airflow. And if we stick our arms to our sides, and, you know, a lot of people do Tyrannosaurus Rex with their elbows bent and their arms up high going, eh, eh, eh. Um, you know, it's just, it's just thwarting. It's thwarting so that you feel stupid and you look stupid. Not great. Louise, we've spoken a lot to people about training the mind. Uh, we've had brain yeah. experts. Uh, we've had uh, positive psychologists on. We've spoken to people about training the body. We've had wellness experts, people talking about exercise, all different sorts. Great. My question would be the voice. Somebody listening to this they know how to train their mind. They know how to train their body. What do mm. I specifically do to ensure that I am being the best I could be to create presence or to command attention or at least just to get my message across? What training can I do? Well, it's kind of, it's, it's self-awareness in a change plan. So for every single thing you do, breathing, initiating sound, where you look with your eyes, how you open your mouth, where you put your gestures, every single thing. You know, I'm an NLP master practitioner. I believe we are all programmed. You know, each of us runs our own individual program, like on a computer. There's a Word program or, a, or a, you know, an Excel program. We are the Louise program or the Gary program. And to know what that program is and to think, is this the best program I could be running? And how does this even alter and get worse under stress and to know yourself you know um you know the old thing how do you get over nerves you don't you learn how to deal with it well you have to know what you're doing and most people don't know where the diaphragm is they don't know its response under stress and they don't know what to do about it when it happens so it's very undiscussed and it's difficult to find information on it uh but it's just you know, lift that awareness and get these these things are all discussed and and in ancient cultures. You know, they're thousands of years old, the knowledge. We've only lost it in the last hundred years. I'd be curious on you mentioned breath. Mm-hmm. I listened to a guy called Mark Devine, who runs Kokoro Camp and Seal Fit, a former Navy SEAL, and he spoke of a breathing technique called box breathing right. where it's four deep inhales, you hold for four, you exhale for the count of four, you hold it, then you inhale yep. again. So it's just basically working in a box. And it's something that I do all the time prior to it when I'm doing a speaking gig. I always go through a, a box breathing session just by myself for just a couple of minutes. 
Yeah. I find that quite empowering. Do you have your own breathing technique you suggest to people yeah. to get themselves pr- present for something? Absolutely. So, you know, there's different horses for different courses. And what many people tell me is that they use a deep breath in through their nose for relaxation. And I go, absolutely brilliant. Now, what's relaxing about a speaking engagement? And how on <laughs> earth could you breathe through your nose now? You know, so we, we're often, so that sounds great to do the box technique beforehand. Now imagine you get up in front of a group and suddenly there in the audience is that person who really intimidates you and bang, you feel yourself go. One of the things, ways you know that your diaphragm is jammed and your breathing is jammed is that your brain stops working. And what we tend to do is then beat ourselves up psychologically and go, oh, no, my brain stopped working. That's because I'm horrible. That's because the dog hates me. That's because my mother never liked me. That's because my father beat me. You know, forget it. It's too late. What we need to do is then go from breathing techniques that unjams. And I work with a lot of people who suffer from performance anxiety. And the deep, relaxing breath in extreme cases of performance anxiety doesn't work. So the breath that I suggest that I've had enormous success with with people is the Kapalabhati breath, which is the strong and hard breath out uh, from, you know, you actually punch yourself like a Heimlich maneuver in the stomach um, and kick the diaphragm uh, from underneath. The stomach will go in, the diaphragm will get kicked and loosened. Very much like if you have a jammed muscle in your calf, you know, we don't stroke it. You actually press into it to release that tension. So how do we press the diaphragm that's horizontal in the body? A short and sharp breath out. And um, and again, that's not original thought. It's well known. It's a yoga breath, but it's one that's not often used by people. They try to do relaxing breaths and that they often don't work. Ooh, I like that, Robert. That's very cool, isn't it? Mm. You've spoken, Louise, about the voice aging. I read that. It was quite right. curious. Is is that true? Does the voice age? Look, my understanding is that the voice doesn't age. The vocal folds don't age. What ages are the muscles around the vocal folds to manoeuvre them? And, you know, the diaphragm, muscles get weaker with age. So the vocal folds themselves don't age, but the muscles around them do. And uh, I know that uh, I read somewhere about a doctor in America who's actually doing some work um, tweaking up the muscles of the throat so that it will, you know, not sound old. But I really don't believe you need to do that. I believe that you can just keep the muscles active, Um, you know, exercise the voice, extend its range, hold it for longer. It's like any, any muscle. You need to exercise it to keep it firm and strong and doing its business. So that's, that's not just through talking. Are you talking, are you speaking of uh, singing and or doing the, uh, the scales? Is that the sort of thing you're talking yeah, about to exercise no, the vocal cords? You know, I think that none of us are going to do scales. I think people <laughs> really don't have time. Uh-huh. I've said, you know, years of my life, oh, you know, forget it. I'm not going to do it now. And neither is anyone else in real life. But what we can do is we can realize that we are born with a voice with an enormous range. You know, I could be talking to you and perhaps utilize my range and go, wow, you know, and, and get it to stretch in every everyday conversation um, rather than doing exercises. And there's tons of opportunity to do that. What, what we tend to do is think that we're born with a speaking voice and we extend it out to a singing voice. But, you know, there's a lot of thought to say, actually, we're born with this huge range of a singing voice. And what we do is we squash it down into this tiny little speaking range. So I would suggest extending your speaking range out on a regular basis in normal conversation. You know, just try going louder and softer and higher and lower um, in every day. You know, give it a workout. I'm an awesome singer in the shower, but when I get out, I'm not so good. <laughs> you know why? Because in the shower, you get reverberation. That's right, exactly. Yeah. You have the re- relaxation of the hot air. And, you know, that's the trick is not just to be able to do it when you have everything perfect, but to be able to feel what it is you're doing in the shower. Step out of the shower and do it again. Um, even though you're not getting that feedback that gives you the reward, um, you know, it's not all about you. It's actually about the people listening. You better watch out. You better not cry. 
You better not pout, I am telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town He's making a list, he's checking it twice He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice Santa Claus is coming to town He sees you when you're sleeping And he knows when you're awake He knows if you've been bad or good So be good for goodness sake You better watch out You better not cry You better not pop I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming I'm in the big fat man with the long white beard He's coming to town The Mojo Radio Show Louise, you're working with lots of leaders of some pretty impressive organisations each day. Mm. There is a leader listening to this show somewhere in the world who wants to truly shine at some point in their career over the next week. With your observations of where we are right now, is there one particular area that you think leaders should really focus on as an opportunity to shine? You know, I I talk about the Anna Karenina principle, which is a real principle, which says that there's a whole lot of things that you need to do. Um, You know, your breath, your gestures, your eyes, everything you need to do correctly. And if one of them doesn't work, nothing works. But there is one at the core of it all, and that is breath, you know, to get your breath back. And we can approach breath physically by saying, do this. And I would suggest learn where your diaphragm is, learn its action under stress, um, learn the exercise to kick it free, and then ha, learn how to initiate sound under stress. So, you know, it is the most critical one. Um, and and you work on the body. We could also work on the mind and saying, what's blocking your breath? Why are you nervous? We, as you said, you know, leaders need it now. They don't have two years of psychotherapy. I have one leader I'm working with who's been going to a psychiatrist for two years, and I've said, has it worked? And, and they've said, no, it hasn't worked for this particular problem. Well, you know, we need to go to the body and unjam it, work on unjamming techniques of the breath in particular. And having done that, I would, I would put the second emphasis on, on gestures. Start to free the gestures and get the air flowing through the use of gestures to the end of a phrase. Um, you know, we block ourselves dramatically with gestures. Think Donald Trump and on this day of the American election, um, you know, I think in Australia we find it all bizarre that, that uh, what's happening, but he actually does great things with his gestures. You spoke earlier today about us not being in tune with ourselves, and I'm, I'm interested in our own authentic voice. Now, my, my background to this, I just... I feel as though we're in a nanny state and political correctness is really getting out of hand. And in a lot of cases, I think people are checking themselves before they do or say anything to make sure it's politically correct. Do you think that's starting to squash our authentic voice as a leader? Oh, I think people are so confused about what they need to do. Um, uh, You know, Women, we need to understand what's going on. And certainly for women, our voices are an octave higher than men's voices. And yet the voice of leadership is perceived as a low voice. So, you know, what do you do as a woman? Do you fake it to make it? You know, no, that's very old school. You just bring who you are and make sure that you're not, you know, going higher unnecessarily. You know, that's not going to work. But certainly what doesn't work is to go lower than you normally are because you just sound stupid. Um, so it's understanding the situation we find ourselves in and then and then working with it. So, you know, um, men need to realize that they have a natural advantage with depth of tone. So then bring it to awareness. Am I abusing that? Am I therefore feeling that when a woman speaks, it's not valid, Um, which is a bias. It's a cultural bias. It's not reality. Uh, 
bring that up to awareness and say, oh, Louise, actually, sorry, had you finished what you were saying? And just become more aware and courteous, um, aware of what's going on, and then we need to define new rules in, in, in the boardroom or wherever we are. Um, most people don't understand what's going on. They, they don't understand and they don't have skills to deal with it. If they do. I'm interested to get your take on this. There was some research a few years ago, just towards my end of my days in radio, that showed that women didn't necessarily like hearing other women on the, on the air, on the radio. Does that tie into what you were just talking about? Can you speak to that at all? Oh, I have a personal experience of that. I was listening to, uh, I was wanting to listen to something educational on the internet and there were many people who had little snippet on how to do something on the computer. And I was listening and I heard all these men going, first of all, find this program and do this. And I'm going, oh, right, right, right. And then I tried, there was a woman and she went, okay, now listen, on your computer, do this. And I immediately went, oh, and I had to stop and say, Louise, is this a bias against women's voices? Um, and actually, we do have a bias against women's voices because they're higher. But actually, it was more than that. It wasn't just that it was a woman's voice. It was a woman's voice that was being handled badly. And I think that's what we find inexcusable. We can get over the bias of pitch as long as a woman isn't doing something stupid and vocal fry and all of the sort of things that we do. And we need to realize that as women, get it right. People will have a bias for the pitch. So for God's sake, don't do any more than that. That's weird. Um, like vocal fry or, or, or anything like that, that is going to be massively annoying. Just get it right, and that's the best you can do, and I think you'll work through the bias if you can do that. And, of course, eventually it is a cultural bias. That bias will change. So I think, um, yeah, I get annoyed by women's voices. Louise, I remember many years ago there was a movie, which I think was called The Assassin, about a young girl that was being trained in all the skills to become an assassin. And she was going through the deportment section of her training. And the lady who was teaching her deportment said, always smile when you walk into a room, darling. It relaxes people. And I've always, always remembered that. Are there tips that you would bring to the table for someone who was, is there a right way to enter the room to create presence? This is the major thing that I work on. You know, if you can get an entrance right, you can get anything right. And funnily enough, you know, I was reading something from June Daly Watkins the other day. June Daly Watkins, 89 now. And I thought, my God, I just should have gone to her classes when I was 16 instead of doing a PhD on the topic and everything else. Um, you know, she, she, there, there are some base rules we all need to know. And, you know, the first base rule is that um, one needs to walk with power in the lower body, not the upper body um, leading the body into the room, but the lower body leads into the room. Um, the legs lead in. The next thing is eye contact, that you need to make eye contact with the people, not the floor. And most people look at the floor. No, look at the people. So your body's upright, your eyes are on. You then move with pace. Move with pace. Don't crawl into a room. And then stop. And where do you stop? You stop in the position of power in the room. Stop. And then when you engage with people, open your arms. Don't close your arms. Um, and there's a lot more intricacies to that. For instance, where do the eyes go? To whom do they look? But the critical thing is to move with speed with your lower body, move to a position, stop, and the eyes stay on the people to whom you're speaking, not on the floor. Say you're getting ready for a big presentation. You do a lot of corporate speaking around the, around the place. You, uh, yeah. You've got five minutes before you go on stage. Big audience. You are going through your rituals and routines to get ready what is your routine? What is what, Do you have rituals that you go through before you walk in from an audience? Yeah, and the rituals are very different for um, a week out than they are to just before. So, you know, the rituals beforehand, a long time beforehand for me, and it's all personal, is about relaxation. But the ritual at the last minute is about, there's a mental ritual, which is about um, mantras. So I will do mantras about, I love them, 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 I love them. You know, I don't let any other thoughts come in. I look at people in the eyes and go, aren't they gorgeous? They're fabulous. I can't wait to do this. It's so exciting. I love them, I love them, I love them. I'll do that kind of mantra. 
I will walk so that I'll get my lower body engaged instead of my upper body. I'll do my Kapalabhati breath. <laughs> I will reach out if I can shake people's hands. I'll reach out my body and I'll say, hi, 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 and I'll get the air flowing um, and uh, use whatever is in the moment as an exercise. So I'm not doing any specifically weird exercise in the toilet. I'm incorporating it into the situation I'm in, but getting the energy into the lower body, getting it out of the upper body and keeping my mind free for the engagement with positive thought. Freeing your mind is interesting, Louise. I, I'm just yeah. interested in your thoughts. Is our memory bank being exhausted today due to the sheer amount of stuff that we are seeing, hearing, feeling, touching? Do you think that our memories are starting to suffer only from the sheer volume of stuff that's being thrown at us? No, you know, I, I, I really don't know. I, I think that maybe the brain has the capacity to do it. Are we organizing it well enough? It's a bit like a computer program. You know, if we got it in the right files, um, you know, for instance, a Steiner quote that, um, you know, it's one sun eclipses another sun. So he talks about visual eclipsing, um, you know, our other learning preferences. Uh I think we've got enough capacity to do everything. Uh, we just have to do it well. On that, do you journal? Mm, only mentally. I'd love to journal. <laughs> to go right thing to do. <laughs> we've never had that answer before. It's a cracker. That's gold. That's gold. Um, one last thing before we let you get on with your busy day. Tell me what you think are the skills that we could all enhance for face-to-face encounters. We are meeting with somebody for a coffee, for business, meeting a friend to share news, to show empathy. What else could we do face-to-face that you've noticed could be a skill that we're not doing, we could do to make those encounters better for us? Okay, great. Well, back to breath. Absolutely. Look at your breath. Make sure you're breathing. Secondly, get the body lined up so that you can use the breath. So we posture. Posture. We are not considering posture. That's critical. Not only posture, but where does the power come in from in your body? Make sure it's not in the upper body. Make sure it's in the lower body. Um, so getting your energy back. Stop leaning forward. Stop depowering by standing on one leg. So breath, posture, then start to work the arms, work the gestures, get the arms actually moving in a congruent way instead of doing some repeat gesture that is meaningless. Um, Have the mouth open. So often we're speaking with our mouth shut and our sleeve shut. Actually get the tongue working. Um, Tongue working, get the eyes so that they are under control. And actually where you move, start to be aware of where you're moving in space. Are you very confrontational front and center or are you moving to the side for a more facilitative conversation? So it's your breath, it's your posture, it's your mouth, it's your gestures, it's your eyes, it's your movement in space. These are the things people need to be aware of. I've got one last question for you. On, on this show where we're a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll and more recently a little bit gangster, <laughs> if, if, <laughs> if, if we wanted to become a little bit more opera... Is there a piece that you would suggest we should go listen to? Oh, nice. Oh, um, yes. What's fun and easy to accept? Mozart. Uh, Mozart, The Marriage of Figaro. I think it's got contemporary themes. Um, It's fun. It's memorable. Uh, The Marriage of Figaro. Go there. Be there. Be square. (laughs) We're very square. Don't worry about that. Louise, um, thank you for your time. This has been very, very interesting. I've got lots of uh, great you. notes here. And the thing I like about it is it's stuff that we can finish the podcast and make a choice. It's stuff that is powerful. It's all doable. It doesn't need any resource except you committing to do it, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I like committing to do it and then getting the right advice. You know, stop being led by amateurs. Find out people who not really know what they're doing. Seek that out and get expert advice, and it will save you time in the end. Speaking of which, a lovely segue, uh, where do people find out more about you, your work, and what you're up to? Yes, well, I have a website, www.louisemarla.com. 
that's my name, louisemarler.com.au. Uh, I have a book, Resonate. Um, we've got apps for the difficult situations and a lot more material coming online. So www.louisemarler.com.au. Couldn't be easier. Couldn't be easier. That is brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You know you're on Thank the move you. with loads going on, but to take the time out to visit our little show, we uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Louise. Yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. This is Rodney from Dan Murphy's. From all the guys in the back room who listen week in, week out, thanks to the Mojo Radio Show and Merry Christmas. The Mojo Radio Show. As an audio engineer, I obviously work with voices every day and I was pretty sure I knew most things about the human voice, but I've written at least a, a, an A4 page and a half of notes just from that episode. So there you go. Even I took something out of that. Yeah, I thought it was going to be valuable because every day in some way we are standing in front of either a person or a group and we want to influence, we want to get a point across, we want to present ourselves in the best light. And uh, I thought Dr. Louise was fantastic. Yeah, we sh- uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from her again some stage down the road on the show. In life's journey, one needs a life's journal. So the Mojo Show is testing the crowdfunding waters with the Mojo Show thought-provoking journal. Quick update, folks. The Oompa Loompas in the Mojo Radio Show studio have finished packing boxes and our successful Kickstarter campaign is now fully shipped. So everybody around the world who ordered their journals, they are currently on the road. In fact, we had, we had to have a bit of a stop down because the, who knew there's an Oompa Loompa Workers Union? <laughs> and uh, I was pushing them past five o'clock one particular afternoon yeah. and uh, I, could issue, I could issue a a, a a purple and pink ticket saying that I was pushing the uh, Oompas a little bit too far with the Loompas. Well, if you're paying them what you pay me, it's no wonder, mate, let me tell you. Well, in fact, I had to get the Oompa Loompas because I had AP packing boxes, but that didn't last very long. Uh, he was having a little bit too much Oompa in his Loompa. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yes. But the Kickstarter journals, the Mojo thought-provoking journals have all been dispatched. Thank you to all our listeners who invested and pledged, yeah. backed us. It's uh, on its way and everybody will have them for Christmas, uh, barring unforeseen circumstances. So uh, there's a quick shout-out to the Oompa Loompas. Yeah, I saw, a, I saw a little note on LinkedIn from someone about your um, journal uh, from a, a lady called Natasha Wells. Did you pay her much? Because <laughs> she's written, my mojo journal just arrived. Thanks, Gary Burt Whistle and your team for the beautiful addition to my life. If you are looking for a journal with a difference, then I can recommend this one. If you don't journal, this is an incredible way to start. In Gary's words of why journal, he responds with why create, why dream, why think differently, why breathe. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. A very special way to unlock your great ideas. Massive thumbs up, Gary. All right. There's some nice feedback for you, mate. Get your mojo working, doesn't it? We're going to have a funky... Hey! Funky Christmas is going to be a funky... The Mojo Radio Show. I got you. We're going to talk about one of my all-time favourite actors. I've got to say, this guy, I came across a piece uh, where Bill Murray, one of your favourite actors, is mm. being interviewed by a, a very well-known, probably world-famous interviewer called Charlie Rose. And I, I really hadn't understood how philosophical Bill Murray was in terms of his view on life and love. Have a listen to this. I'd like to just be more here all the time and I'd like to see what I could get done what I could do if I really didn't uh, cloud myself with automatic, you know, if, if I were able to, to not get distracted, to not let the, to not change channels in my, in my mind and body, you know. So I were just, you know, I'm, I'm my own channel, you know. I was just really here and always with you. It's all contained in your body, you know, everything you've got, you know, your mind, your spirit, your soul, your emotions, it's all contained in your body. All the prospects, all the chances you ever have. I keep thinking of this Clint Eastwood line. You kill a man, it's, you kill every opportunity you ever had. I don't know which movie that's that from, but it's a good yeah, one. It's a really good that's line. That's a really good you line. You kill every opportunity you ever had. It's a wish, right? It's a really a wish. So, you know, you got you to gotta dream, not dream, but you got to wish big. you got to wish big. And I'd like to go... I'd like to see what I could do. I got a, I got a sort of a drunken phone call from a friend of mine's sister, who I really like, and she's funny because she's really funny and she drinks a lot. 
<clears throat> she called me in the middle of the night, and I was like, oh, boy. You know, you ever get someone call you if they're not at their best? <laughs> yes. But she was so charming, and she was so lovely, and she just kept saying, you could. You have no idea how much you could do, Bill. You, if you could just, you could do so much. So what can we take from that? Here's, here's my setup of things to think about during the Christmas period, and this is the Mojo Radio Show's lead into Christmas. Imagine, just imagine what you could do if you took on Bill's challenge to avoid distractions and be more here. What would you get done? Just imagine if you put the focus into actually being present rather than being distracted. That was a big lesson for me. And I love the fact that a friend rang him, drunk as she may have been, and she said, you know, Bill, you could be more. And even someone as famous as Bill Murray said, I'd never had anyone say that to me before. And it makes me think back to Andrew Paul when he talked about children and saying to kids, I love you and I'm proud of you, is that we, we assume it, we think we've done it, but to actually say it, I think you'd be surprised at what hasn't, hasn't actually been said that people are craving for. So I thought um, I, I thought it was just a beautiful, beautiful piece. And the other thing I'd say is that if you're setting up for 2017, whether you call it dreaming or wishing, this thing about we don't wish or dream big enough is so true with the people that I find when I'm out on the speaking circuit. Yeah, so um, yeah, right. I love Bill. I I, uh, I get a kick out of that. I think that's great. You know, the thing that occurred to me as you were, as I was listening to that and listening to you talk about it just then is Bill's movie Groundhog Day. Wouldn't it be incredible if instead of having to live the same day over and over dozens of times to get the perfect day, if you could just have the perfect day every day without having to think about it, wouldn't that be incredible? And the thing is by doing that, there's that great piece that he talked about with Clint Eastwood, that if you shoot a man, you take away all his opportunities. Mm. The thing for me with that interview with Charlie is that what Bill's saying is if you're really focused and you put yourself into planning your perfect day, took away the distractions and you believed you could be more and you sought out those opportunities, you wouldn't squander them. And I think, uh, I think Bill's onto something and let's not, uh, let's not make 2017 a Groundhog Day. Well, I think we're onto something here and here's my thought and just out loud because that's the way I like to think. I, wouldn't it be incredible if we spent January setting our listeners up for the best year they've had in, through January with our shows? Well... Uh, you're an ideas man. That's why we called you the ideas man. Uh, I try. <laughs> what we could do for January is we, if we break down what Bill talked about, we could do a show on the mind. Yep. Maybe one on spirit. Definitely. One on soul, emotions, one yes. on business. I reckon that'd cover we it. we break down the components that we need to consider in terms of putting together the opportunities for ourselves, let's uh, maybe that could be a theme for January. I think we should do that. All right, done. Funny fried chicken? Best damn chicken in the state. Bring me four fried chickens and a Coke. You want chicken wings or chicken legs? Four fried chickens and a Coke. And some dry white toast, please. You all want anything to drink with that? No, ma'am. A Coke. Whilst we're on famous actors, I'll throw a name at you. John Belushi. One of my favourite all-time movies. Is that what you're going to talk about? I hope so. It is. There was a piece that we have kept from that interview with Bill Murray where Bill Murray talked about John Belushi. Have a listen to this. Belushi. He's been dead as long as he's been alive now. And you think, that's a funny sand dial to put in front of yourself, you know, to flip that thing over. I, I find that quite profound that John Belushi's been dead for as long as he was alive. It makes me feel old, I'll tell you that much. If you start today something that is you seizing an opportunity, being the best you can be, achieving a dream or a wish you've got, if you project forward a year, two years, three years, 20, 30 years, when you look back, imagine how far down the road you'd be with that opportunity. If John, Imagine what John Belushi could have achieved given the fact that he only lived, as of today, half his life. Imagine what he could have achieved in the other half. If we never start, if we never get after it, then when we look back, we've squandered that time because we've never seized the opportunity, never chased the dream or the wish. So I thought that had a lot more power in it than just the comment itself when you really sit and apply it to your own world Mm. or the world of 
your children or friends or teammates around you with what you can do to help them achieve their own dreams. And in reflection, I think it's a really powerful thing. And I think we'll look back a number of years. Let's play this from the Blues Brothers. And because our show has been on this theme of being of service to others to bring ultimate happiness, let's play out with everybody needs somebody. Orange Whip. Blues Brothers, we're out. Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.